What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We are talking week two picks. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe. Check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. This one is going on YouTube. We are streaming from StreamYard.com, so appreciate their platform here. So we're going to be on YouTube from now on as well. I know I've been saying that for a while, but we're we're actually going to be on YouTube now. Uh, leave a review. Really appreciate the feedback. I'll get to some of the feedback I got this past week as we get into some of the picks. But yeah, just excited to to go week two to do week two picks. Also, I'm going to go through my top ten. And again, if you want to follow us on social media, Instagram x you know the artist formerly known as twitter big 10 football talk and then of course if you want to send me an email like my good buddy luke did this past week big 10 football talk at gmail.com week two you know we we had some hot takes this past week you know week one there's always there's always a bit of overreaction here week two we're gonna we're gonna get to see how right we are in some of our picks and predictions and so we're just gonna get right to it there are games today. This this is being released on Friday morning. Uh, I'm recording Thursday. But Friday night, there are a couple of games, uh, including one that I think is an underrated game that's going to be, I think, really entertaining. First, we've got Indiana State at Indiana, 7 p.m. kick on the Big Ten Network. Uh, no line on this game as of yet. I think it'll be interesting to see what Indiana's offensive philosophy is going to be moving forward. Cause I don't think triple option is really what they're going to go for uh, in moving forward. Taven Jackson, I think has established himself as the starter, although that you, you still might see multiple quarterbacks. This should be a game that Indiana can, can pull away pretty easily. Indiana state's not very good. So they're not a very good FCS team, let alone a good, a not a good FBS team. So I, I think Aaron Casey, you're going to continue to see his name flash. He was the guy that was in Ohio state's backfield all game. Uh, again, I, I don't think the Hoosiers offense is great. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see some sluggishness on that side of the ball, but again, Indiana state, not very good. I like Indiana to win that game pretty comfortably 31 to six. I think the highlight game on Friday night is Illinois at Kansas 7:30 kick on ESPN2. It's at Kansas. Kansas is a 3-point favorite, which typically means that if this game were played at a neutral site, it would be a pickem. Typically home field home field team gets about 3 points uh, on the Vegas line. So Vegas sees this as dead even. Watching Kansas, they they played Missouri State who again, not very good, but also they oddly played a pretty competitive game against Arkansas a year ago. So I'm not sure what to make of it. The thing that really stood out to me in watching Kansas, Miles 
not Miles Scott. That's he plays for Illinois. Devin Neal, the running back, I think is pretty explosive. They also have a pretty explosive kick returner in Trevor Wilson. So that that to me is a little uh, nerve wracking if I'm if I'm Illinois because I think they've got some dynamic playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. There's also the question of who's going to play quarterback, who's going to start. Jalen Daniels sat out last week because of some back stiffness. There is still some debate about who's going to start, but they are saying that Jalen Daniels will play for Kansas. Of course, Jalen Daniels was uh, their star quarterback a year ago. Very explosive, both with his arm and his legs. You know, Miles Scott had the pick six. You have good receivers at Illinois with Pat Bryant and Isaiah Williams, Casey Washington, who had that big play to, to really win the game, to keep the drive alive, to win the game for Illinois on that fourth down. So I, I'm, I'm a little torn on this game. I do think Illinois is just slightly better on the offensive and defensive lines. And again, I, I trust at, I, as much as, as Lance Leipold is, has been a good coach for Kansas. I trust Bielema a bit more, and I think they come away with the win, which I think this would be a big, I think a good non-conference win for Illinois. Like Kansas is not the Kansas of old. This would be a good win for them. I think it would continue to give them momentum in the West. And so I've got Illinois winning 27, Kansas 20. Before I get to the Saturday Saturday games, I do want to make a point because of, of all the feedback I got, it was all from Illinois fans. And y'all were upset about how I said that Toledo was a good team, but not a great team. And that I said that I thought Fresno State, who played who beat Purdue, was better than Toledo. And I got a lot of junk for it. Some of it was very respectful. My 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 man Luke, who uh, emailed me, love you, man. I, I appreciate your your civility and your your the, your your thoughtfulness. Um, but there are a couple other guys who were saying I was trying to push a narrative and say that you know that that Illinois is not very good and Purdue that that I'm really overrating Purdue. And I I just want to point out a couple things. One is a couple guys pointed out that Illinois not Illinois, that Toledo got AP votes and was higher in the FPI, and therefore I'm wrong. Well, first of all, if you look at FPI and Sagarin, Fresno State is higher than Toledo. Also, if you look at FPI, Toledo is worse than every Big Ten, Big Ten team except one, Northwestern. Now, do I think FPI is is like super accurate, particularly in this stage of the season? No, I, I'm not using that metric, but I'm just going to bring up the point that people are throwing that metric at me as if it's the end all be all and you're not even using it right. And so I, maybe Toledo is better than Fresno. I, I think we'll get to see that over the course of the season. I, I'm just telling you what I what I see and how I'm thinking about it. And typically the best Mac teams are not even really all that great against good group of other group of five teams. And part of my rationale, granted Fresno state lost a lot last year, but Fresno state had a lot on defense coming back. 
including I think a couple of top corners. Um, and I think Fresno has proven themselves against power five teams. They've now beat two consecutive power five teams, including a dominant win over Washington state last year. So I, I get it. I could be wrong. I, I do think Toledo is, is going to be pretty good. And I don't know if they're going to be challenged in the Mac, but part of my, my thought process with Illinois and Purdue and why I'm, I was using those as comparisons. I think a lot of people think Illinois could be a West contender. And basically I was just saying, Hey, let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. Cause like Toledo's good. They're, they're not that good. Like they, they shouldn't be winning 19 to seven. That was my point. Particularly if you're trying to be a West contender for Purdue, a lot of people had Purdue as the the last place or tied for last place in the West before everything imploded uh, with Northwestern. And so I'm trying to tell Purdue fans, hey, you may not be two and ten this year. You might be five and seven. You might get to six and six, especially after seeing some of the other West teams compete. That was my whole point. I still think Illinois could have a really good season this year. I, I'm just saying let's pump the brakes a little bit on maybe some of the higher expectations. All that being said, if you throw stats at me, I'm going to research them and I'm going to tell, tell you whether you're right or wrong. And for those of you who are saying FPI, all that stuff that, that Toledo is proving themselves above everybody else, they're not They're And of course it's week one, it's, or it's week two, but that's not where Toledo is. Fresno state is above them in both FPI and Sagarin. Toledo is below everybody in the Big Ten except Northwestern. Now, do I think that that proves everything? No. But if you're going to throw stats at me, I'm going to throw them right back at you. Just, just know that that's going to happen. All right. That's enough out of that. Let's go to Saturday. Youngstown State at number five, Ohio State uh, on the Big Ten Network, 12 o'clock game. Uh, Ryan Day said he's still going to play both quarterbacks. Uh, he's looking for more consistency from the offensive line. I, I would expect that they're going to try to work on chemistry with the wide receivers as well. I, Ryan Day's not dumb. He knows that he's got to get his quarterback on the same page with Abuka and Marvin Harrison. Those are his two best weapons on the team. I also think they'll probably try to establish more of the running game. So I still think it's going to be clunky, but... I think because it's Youngstown State, they're, they're, they're probably going to have a bit more explosiveness. They're not going to be as defensively dialed in as Indiana was. And so while I, I think it'll be clunky, and I, I think Ohio State fans are still going to be a little frustrated, I still think Ohio State is going to have a pretty big win. I've got Ohio State 45, Youngstown State 10. They're Again, because it's FCS, there's no line on the game as of yet. There probably will be by tomorrow or so. Uh, also, at 12 p.m. on Peacock, Delaware at number seven, Penn State. Honestly, I think very similar to the Ohio State game. I, I think it's going to be a sleepy game, you know, after a, a big, uh, not emotional performance, but, you know, you, you had a night game on national television against a Power 5 opponent last week. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Drew Aller be a little sloppy with the ball. Um, I do think they're going to try to be more consistent on both lines of scrimmage. So I, I look for a dominant performance by Penn State, but also a sleepy one. 
I got Penn State 45, Delaware 13. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if Penn State's in the 30s and not the 40s. And I would just encourage Nittany Lion fans, don't be surprised, don't be, don't be concerned. Nebraska at number 22, Colorado. That's on Fox. It's the big noon kickoff game with Joel Klatt, Gus Johnson. Colorado is a three-point favorite. FPI favors Nebraska on this. And, you know, I had a, 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 several Nebraska fans being like, why are why do you think Colorado is going to win this game? And I'll be honest, I don't know if, if Colorado will win this game. I, I think... I think Colorado's win over TCU is being way overblown. TCU is not a good team this year. They're, I mean, they, they're, I don't think they're very good. And TCU had their way on offense against, against them. And TCU lost a lot on offense. They lost Quentin Johnson. They lost Max Duggan. They lost their best running back. And so while I'm, I think, Matt Rule has a big rebuilding job ahead of him. I'm not going to be surprised if Nebraska pulls the upset because I actually don't think Colorado is still that good. I think they it's good for them that they, they beat TCU. It took a lot for them to beat TCU. It took Travis Hunter playing 100 plays, both on offense, defense, and special teams to, to get that win. It took a career day from Shudder Sanders. I think Nebraska's defense is better than TCU's. And so I think that's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tougher matchup for Colorado. At the end of the day, I think Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter are the two best players on, on the field. And so I'm picking Colorado to win at home 34 to 31. I, I think ultimately I, I'm not calling a cover. I'm, I'm calling a push, but I'm I'm not calling it, but I think if Satterfield goes back and realizes he can use Sims in the running game more, I think Nebraska can pull this one out, and I I would not be shocked if they do. But I'm I'm picking Colorado. I think I just think they're probably I think culturally the way Dion has come in, I think they really believe in themselves right now. Whereas Nebraska, I think. I, I think Matt Rule has a lot of culture destroying and rebuilding to get to get to. So I've got Colorado winning by three, 34-31. Purdue at Virginia Tech. Again, I think on paper, if you look at the helmets, you're like Virginia Tech, I think should win this game. Not so fast. Virginia Tech allowed 200 yards rushing to Old Dominion and struggled on quarterback runs. Hudson Card, he's an effective runner. He's obviously an effective throw, effective thrower of the football. And I think Purdue's passing offense with the emergence of Deion Burks, having a veteran guy like TJ Sheffield, I think it helps in a game like this. And I, I just don't buy the Hokie offense. Now, granted, I don't think the Boilermaker defense is great yet. Obviously, Ryan Walters, he's a defensive guy. I, I do think they have a couple of pass rushers that are pretty good. Um, I, I I just don't think the Hokie offense is going to be able to move the ball that well, even against a not great Boilermaker defense. They, they didn't run the ball well against Old Dominion, and I don't expect they're going to run well against Purdue. Um, and I, I don't think 
Virginia Tech's quarterback, Wells, is better than Mikey Keene for Fresno State. So I I think Purdue wins this game. It's on 12 p.m. Uh, at noon at ES, on ESPN2. Virginia Tech's a three-point favorite. I think Purdue wins outright. I've got 34-24 Purdue over Virginia Tech. Um, UNLV playing number two Michigan. This is the 330 CBS game. So you've got Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson. Michigan's a 37-point favorite. This is a name-the-score game. I don't think Michigan covers, not because Michigan isn't good enough. I just I think it's going to be last week. Michigan's going to shut it down after halftime because they're going to be up by 30. And, you know, they'll they'll kind of just run their way to victory with Corum and Donovan Edwards. And I think J.J. will have another good game. I, I think McCarthy has gotten better since last year. Um, yeah, I, I think Michigan 38, UNLV 6, really it's a name-the-score game. I think Michigan will be in control. Iowa at Iowa State, 3.30 p.m. on Fox. Iowa is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Honestly, this could be a game that the first team that gets to 10 points wins the game, which I think in some ways is always this game. These offenses stink. I mean, they they stink. Neither eclipsed 300 yards. And they neither of them did it against subpar competition. Uh, the, the, my only thought, you know, Iowa got up early and it kind of felt like maybe they coasted a little bit after they got up early against Utah State because they were just never threatened after that. I also just, I trust the dudes for Iowa more than I do for Iowa State. You've got Cade McNamara at quarterback. You have Caleb Johnson at running back. You have Luke Lachey. Uh, and Eric all at tight end. I, I don't think Iowa state has the guys that Iowa does. And so even though it's, it's at Iowa state, I, I do think Iowa is probably a bit better than Iowa state. And I think Iowa gets the win. Uh, I've got 16 to nine, a lot of field goal kicking in this game. So Iowa 16, Iowa state nine, M Richmond at Michigan state. 3.30 kick on the Big Ten Network. Again, no line on this game because it's an FCS opponent. Richmond is not good. <laughs> They're not a good FCS team. And, and I think this is a game where Mel Tucker continues to try to get Noah Kim comfortable. He had a decent game against uh, Central Michigan last week. So I, I'm, in, I'm wondering if maybe Michigan State is a little better than I expected. Granted, it took them a while to get things rolling on offense, but I'm curious about Michigan state and how they're going to do moving forward. I've got 42 to seven Michigan state over Richmond UTEP at Northwestern. I, I don't know what to make of this game. If I'm being completely honest, uh, it is a three thirty kick on the big, on the big 10 network. UTEP is a one and a half point favorite and it's at Northwestern. But here's the reason why I just don't know what to make of it. Because Northwestern's really bad. Probably should have been a 24-0 game against Rutgers. But they put in the backup quarterback, Sullivan, and they were able to score late in that game. But if you look at UTEP, they're 1-1. One and one, And it's 1-1 one one against FCS teams. Right? They, they beat Incarnate Word by, I think, 10 points. And they lost to Jacksonville State by a field goal. 
So I, I don't like UTEP's not good. They're not a good team. I picked UTEP in the preseason and I'm sticking with it only because I, I just don't know how Northwestern's going to score. They had, they had 12 yards rushing against Rutgers. 12! And Ben Bryant, he is... It's, a, it's, a, it's rough all around. Like, I, do, I don't know how they're going to throw the ball. I don't know how they're going how they're, how they're to run the ball. So I've, I've got UTEP 24, Northwestern 13. I just... Yeah, I just don't like... I, I don't think Northwestern can move the ball. And that's where I'm, I'm concerned. Number 19, Wisconsin at Washington State. Again, Washington State beat Wisconsin in Camp Randall last year. It's a 7.30 kick on ABC. Wisconsin is a six-point favorite. Washington State is an air raid team. Cam Ward has good escapability. They've, they've got a kicker. It's, it's Janikowski. I think it's Janikowski's son. Uh, he had a 55-yarder. Um, obviously Janikowski, Sebastian Janikowski, longtime kicker in the NFL, great, big, strong leg. Seems like he's passed it on to his son. So obviously this is, it's a revenge game for Wisconsin. I think one thing to note is that Washington state allowed 320 yards passing to Colorado state. And while they were great against the run last week, this is a whole different animal for the Cougars, right? You've, you've got. Ches Malusi, who I think looks far better than he ever did the past several years. And then you've got Braylon Allen, who is the bruising, uh, the, the bruising back who also it can jump cut and juke you out of your shoes. And I think the marriage of the air raid and the running game for Wisconsin has really opened up more running lanes for these, these two backs. Tanner Mordecai, I went back and looked at Wisconsin. I, I thought Tanner Mordecai, he threw a couple of pretty bad picks, but his receivers also had a couple of big drops. I think Mordecai plays a better game against a bad passing defense. And I think he has a big first half, which leads to opening up running lanes for these two backs. I think it's a close game because I think Washington State with Ward at quarterback they have an explosive offense. I think Wisconsin is still kind of trying to work things through with their defense. But at the end of the day, I think Wisconsin gets it done and they pound away late to, to salt this game away. I've got Wisconsin 34, Washington State 30. Um, so it's it's not a cover for Wisconsin, but I do think Wisconsin gets the win at a tough, tough environment on the road going to the West Coast. Charlotte at Maryland, NBC, 7.30 p.m. Maryland, a 24.5-point favorite. I think it's very similar to last week. Charlotte, it's a little bit of an upgrade over Towson, but it's not by much. Hemby running, Tagovailoa passing. I, I think Maryland's offense is not going to be stopped, and I think their defense has an improved showing after allowing nearly, nearly 150 yards running last week. Maryland, 38. Charlotte, 10. Eastern Michigan at Minnesota, 7.30 kick on the Big Ten Network. It's a, Minnesota's a 20.5-point favorite. And I think it's going to be a good game for Minnesota to give their running game confidence. You know, Eastern Michigan gave up over 200 yards rushing to Howard last week. So I think Sean Tyler gets over 100 yards running. 
I think Daniel Jackson follows up his breakout performance. I've got Minnesota 38, Eastern Michigan 6. They start 2-0. and And then Temple at Rutgers, 7.30 kick, Big Ten Network. Rutgers is a nine-point favorite. But I think Rutgers needs to be on upset watch here. Because while Temple is not a world beater, they do have a, some semblance of a competent offense. Warner at quarterback threw for nearly 300 yards. It was just Akron. It was just Akron. But realize Rutgers did not face an offense last week. And now you have a guy who can actually throw. And they, you know, they were able to run a little bit against Akron. So I, I think Rutgers will, will, will need to trust the arm of Wimsat a little bit. Mix in the running game, obviously, with Manungai. I do think they get enough. It's at home. Rutgers wins 20 to 17, but be, watch out for this game. You know, Scarlet Knights, don't, don't get full of yourselves here because you, you pounded on Northwestern. Temple's a little bit of a better opponent. So I, I think Rutgers wins, doesn't cover. Uh, that'll do it for the picks. Let me real quick, I'm just going to give you my top 10. This top 10's hard because a lot of teams, I thought, didn't play up to their potential. And then a lot of teams just didn't didn't play great competition. So we just still don't know much about teams. I'll start at number 10. Uh, Oregon State. I think Oregon State is a real dark horse to win the Pac-12. They, I thought, had a more complete performance against the San Jose State team that played USC the week before. And I thought USC, you know, obviously scored over 50, but I thought defensively really struggled against uh, San Jose State. That was not the case with Oregon State. I, I think the marriage of G DJ Ui Unglele and Oregon State really makes them a formidable opponent in that conference. I've got them 10, which, by the way, I just want to admit, I fell into the trap of believing that Clemson was going to be back this this year, and they're not. They're, they're not good. And I don't know what Dabo's doing, but I, I don't, I'm not sure they will ever get back to where they were. Uh, and part of that, I think seeing DJ play at Oregon state and be effective, I, I think is just as telling about Clemson as it is about DJ. And I think Oregon State's really going to benefit from that. Number nine, I have Tennessee. Uh, easy win against Virginia. I, I, I think Tennessee. I, I don't. I, I'm very curious about them versus Georgia later on in the season. Number eight, I have Ohio, Ohio State. You know, I I thought they they fell to five. I thought they deserved to fall. I, you know, I thought defensively they played well, but I also it, it's hard to know what to expect from this, this Ohio state team, uh, after that performance. So, and Indiana is not a great offense, so they, they will be tested later, uh, defensively and they'll be tested against my number seven team in week four. And that's, that's Notre Dame. Notre Dame hasn't played anybody, Navy, Tennessee state, but they've dominated Sam Hartman, I think has elevated that offense. And I think their defense is really good. So I, I like Notre Dame at seven. Penn State at six. Uh, again, I'm concerned about their defensive line. And, you know, looking back, Drew, watching Drew Aller, he was he was really good, and I think he, he showed that he will be the best quarterback in this conference. 
but he was not as accurate as I thought he, as I thought he was. Uh, he got away with a couple balls that probably should have been picked off or at least batted down. Uh, he's, he's good. I mean, he's going to be a superstar. He has all the tools, but I'm concerned about the defensive line. I'm curious to see if how they do against Delaware, if they kind of at least show that they can be a little bit more dominant. Georgia at number five, I, you know, they, they, it was seven, nothing against UT Martin last week. And granted, you know, a lot can change. I think similar with like with Ohio state, they can get better as, as things go along, but I'm not so sure that Georgia is just going to waltz through the East. Like we thought they were. So I've got them at five. I have Washington at four. Washington, their offense right now, I, I don't know if anyone wants would want to play it. It's it's not to say that they would beat everyone, but they have a puncher's chance against anybody with that offense. And, and Michael Penix throwing 40-yard haymakers all the time. Their receiving core is, I think, the second best to Ohio State. Uh, and, and they've got some dudes on defense. So, and they played a pretty good Boise State team and beat them pretty soundly. Three, I've got Alabama. I think Alabama might end up, you know, Josh Pate has been saying this a lot, that they might revert back to the, the old 2009, 2011, 2012 teams where they just pound you, pound you, pound you, and just kill you. And I, again, they didn't play anybody of significance, right? Middle Tennessee, but they beat the crud out, out of them. And Jalen Milrow, he's fast, and he he provides a different dynamic at quarterback. I've got Michigan at two. Again, they did what they're supposed to do. And my number one team, because they proved it on the field against a really good opponent, is Florida State. Now, do I think Florida State's actually the best team in the country? Uh, no. And I think different teams will have the chance to prove it over the course of the season. But I don't know who beats them in the ACC. Like, Clemson is not, Clemson's not good. I mean, Duke beat the, I mean, Duke beat them in every way. And I don't, I don't know who else in the ACC is going to challenge the Seminoles. So I think, I think Florida State has a pretty clear path to the playoff at this point. And they got a big win against, I think, at least a top 15 team in LSU. So I think LSU is probably a little, a little overrated. But I don't, I mean, right now, I don't know who you could put above Florida State based on what they've done on the field. So that's my top 10. It'll be very fluid over the next few weeks because we're gathering more information. But we're going we're gonna to wrap up here. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Thanks again for listening. Leave a review. Send me feedback. Send me emails. And I really appreciate you guys. Again, it, it, the, uh, all the stats have been up for listens and listener, listenership and reviews and everything. And I, I'm just really grateful for you guys. So thanks for all, all that you've done for listening. It is a privilege to get to record this and have you guys listen. So thanks again. Take care. God bless.